Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to One Life Church. Are you glad to be at church today, everybody? Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Hey, before we jump into this series today, I just want to take a moment and I want to welcome our online church family. Come on, One Life Church, throw your hands together. Welcome those who are joining us online today. We love you. You are our family. We are sending you air high fives and air fist bumps today. We cannot wait to see you soon. Hey, listen, we are in the middle of a series we're calling Galatians. It's a verse-by-verse study, and I cannot wait to introduce to you a special guest that's going to be bringing us the words today, word from God today. Uh, he's an incredible friend of mine. But before we jump into that, you guys, it's Mother's Day, and I tell you what, I think all the ladies in the house would really like to hear from my wife. This is Miss Linda Barden, everybody, for those who don't know. And she has just an encouraging hello that she wants to share with all the ladies in the house today. So, Linda. Yeah, good morning and happy Mother's Day. I'm really excited to see all of you today. And whenever I think about Mother's Day, I know that it brings a lot of joy to some. And for others, it brings a little discomfort and maybe pain. So I just want to know that um, I want you to know that I think about you. But more importantly, God thinks about you and he knows exactly where you are what you're walking through, and since he is our provider, he can provide everything that you need. You know, part of, part of our story is we have Max. He's our one and only, and I can look at him and say, in public, you are my favorite. <laughs> and nobody gets their feelings hurt. <laughs> it's honest. You are my favorite, Max. But we struggled with infertility for a season, and that was very painful. We have a mom in heaven, and my mom lives far away. We have nieces and nephews we feel like should have been born this side of heaven, but we're born straight into heaven. So we know, we know a little bit of some struggles that you might be walking through. And again, I just want you to know that we love you. I think about you every day. I pray for you every day. But again, more importantly, God thinks about you every day, and he loves you. Um, for those who do still have children at home, like me, Lord help. <laughs> 13, hashtag 13, right? You know, our goal is to train them up in the way that they should go while also gaining their heart. We're not just after behavior modification. We really are after heart transformation. And the only person who can truly bring that is God. And one scripture I pray over myself every day because I really need it is Proverbs 31:26. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. And the reason I have to pray that every day is because sometimes sass is on my tongue. And I really need Jesus to help me with that. Maybe you do too. But we are the first example of God to our children. And I really want to do the best that I can in that role. His kindness is there to lead us to repentance or to change. Because again, I can't change Max. Only God can. I'm just here to help refine him, to help to train him in the way he should go. So while you're in the season, my encouragement is to seek wisdom from the source. I love blogs. I love getting advice from friends who have gone on before me. But if that's the only place I'm going to for help, I'm in trouble. I need God's word. You need God's word. And our children need God's word. It is such a privilege to have 
multiple Bibles, digital options to have God's word so easily accessible. And when Max was a baby, I was just reminding him yesterday, because he doesn't remember this, that when we were at home and playing with all the big plastic toys on the floor that are just a wreck all the time, we would pick up his Bible, say, oh, I love my Bible. Because our job is to... Our job is to create a love and a passion for God's word. Because when our kids know who the source is, they can get help whenever we aren't here to help them. And we're also here to show the kindness of God. I love the message um, translation of Romans 2.4. God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand, and he leads us into radical life change. So show the kindness of God, but have the standards of God as well. And then we are here, like I said, to train them in the way that they should go. And the way we do that is day by day, hour by hour, sometimes minute by minute. And whenever Deuteronomy eleven nineteen is saying, it's talking about God's word, we teach them to our children. We teach God's word to our children. We talk about God's word with them when we're at home, when we're on the road. And boy, howdy, do we have some deep conversations on the road. Anybody else have kids that just ask you the tough questions in the car? You're like, I'm driving. I can't look up the answer. (laughs) But as soon as we get home, let's talk to daddy, okay? (laughs) And we do. When you're going to bed and when you're getting up, every moment is an opportunity to introduce our children to the goodness of God, to the kindness of the Lord, and to the standards that he has called us to live. So this is what I keep in mind personally, my finish line. I find it in 3 John 1.4. There is no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And so whenever I finish my training season with Max, because that part is a little temporary, you know, they're in our home for a season, and then they walk on with the Lord as grown-ups, that whenever I hear about Max, whenever word comes back to me, I want to hear Max is doing great. He loves the Lord. It doesn't matter what he's doing. He's doing it with excellence because he loves God. And if you're already out of that training season I hope you won't let regret be cruel to you because we can't change the past, but we can pray over the future. So, training is seasonal, but prayer is for a lifetime. So pray over your children. They need it. I know I still need it. So y'all can pray for me. I pray for you. You pray for me. Everybody gets prayed for. But we are going to take a minute, and I'd like to pray over you today. God, we love you. Lord, we're so thankful for the privilege of parenting. God, we're so thankful that you've given us the ultimate example. That you loved us so much, you gave everything you had. That you've called us to more. So God, I pray for every parent who's still in that training season right now. Lord, Father, I thank you that you strengthen them where they feel weak. Thank you that you provide in areas they feel lack. 
in areas of their life that feel dry and dusty, God, I pray that you would cause streams to come from those deserts and that life would come back. Lord, I pray for our children. God, I thank you that you go before them, you are their rear guard, and you hem them in on both sides, that no weapon formed against them will prosper and every tongue that rises up against them will fall. God, I thank you that they would walk in the calling that you have for them, that they would find the purpose that you have created for them, and that they would not fall from the wayside, that they would stay strong and true, stay in love with you, God. And for the kids who have walked away from a relationship with you, Lord, I pray for them. God, I pray that their hearts would be softened, that they would hear your voice once again, that they would hunger for a relationship with you. And I pray for the mamas who are praying for their babies, whether they're grown and gone, still at home, or they're still praying and believing that they would be a biological mom. Lord, I pray for those heavy arms that may be empty. And thank you, Lord, that you fill our lives with good things. I pray blessings over them, Jesus. God, we receive all you have from us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Happy Mother's Day, and I love you so much. And also, I have a little gift for you out in the lobby, along with a photo booth, and it's a small little succulent plant because life would succulent without you. I can't believe my wife said suck in church, everybody. Can you all put your hands together for my wife? Amen. Happy Mother's Day to every lady in the house, man. It is an honor uh, to introduce a very special guest. He's a very dear friend of mine. Before I introduce him, though, I do want to remind you guys that we are a message note-taking church. You can follow along with these notes at olc.church. If you're not a note-taker, can I encourage you to be a note-taker this morning? It's amazing when you do something maybe you've never done before, how you can receive something maybe you've never received before. So I want to encourage you today to go to olc.church, swipe down. There's a button that says message notes. And the cool thing about the notes is that you can save it as a PDF. You can email it to yourself or you can email it to your significant other who wasn't at church this morning because that's really who this messages for, right? I'm just kidding. So um, anyway, so the message notes are a lot of fun. I encourage you to follow along there. All right, so enough of that. Uh, One of the greatest gifts that I wanted to give my wife today was the fact that I would love to sit on the front row with her on Mother's Day. And so a dear friend of mine, his name is Pastor Clay Ramirez. He he pastors a multi-site church in Twin Falls, Idaho. Uh, He's my brother from another mother. He is like a big brother in my life. He's the most encouraging, kind. He's tall. He's huge. He wears like a size 15, but he's a teddy bear. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he had spoke at our church once before back in August as we were coming out of COVID. And uh, when I asked him if he would come out to speak, he was like, man, it would be my honor and privilege to bring God's word to you today. So uh, God's word teaches us to show honor to people. And this is not only a dear friend, he's an incredible pastor uh, from Believer's Church out of Twin Falls, Idaho. He left his family today to be with us. Can we stand to our feet, throw our hands together and welcome Pastor Clay Ramirez, everybody. Show some love. Love you so much. Hey, One Love Church family, so glad to be here, so honored to be here. To all the mothers here, happy Mother's Day. To all my brothers, it's not your day, praise God. <laughs> uh, I'm so honored to be here, and uh, it's really, we have a great relationship. And one of the things that your pastor and I do, um, and as well as my other brothers, um, I've got uh, friends and pastors all around the country, and they're all preaching on this morning. I always lift them up, and my sisters that are preaching around the world. Yeah. And uh, I feel like we're a family, and y'all are our family. 
uh, Believer's Church, One Life Church. We're a family. And, um, you know, it's just an honor and privilege to be here. And I'm honored to be here to, to be able to speak. And most of all, to just follow Jesus. So y'all, y'all are in a great series. Uh, your pastor has been... Uh, headlong in this and, and, and preaching the word. And I'm, it's my privilege to teach on living in the grace of God. And it's probably one of my favorite subjects, this on the grace of God, and then following up with who we are in God as sons and daughters. So um, this last couple of weeks, week one, pastor ministered on the tree of life and living from the tree of life, right? And that we remain in that tree. And I don't know how you started off in religion or if you started off in relationship. But many of us were raised, uh, we started off in religion. It was about doing certain duties, right? And the Bible talks about in Genesis chapter 2, there are two trees. And we can be beguiled into this idea of uh, we think we're in relationship with God, but really we're just following good things, or doing good things and outweighing the bad, but really that's not kingdom. The kingdom of God is is that we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's a desire on the inside, a motivation to just be in love with God. And so now it's not this tree of the knowledge of good and evil where I have a knowledge of God and I'm pursuing after good things uh, because I have to, and I have to check mark the boxes. Anybody know what that feels like? right? Where we have to read the word and we have to pray and those are all good things. But if I'm not careful, I'll follow the mechanical like that. I want to be in this tree and not be a Tarzan swinging to the other tree, you know, kind of thing where I stay in this tree and it's like, I want to. I love Jesus because I want to. And then the second week pastor ministered then on in our life to make sure that we crucify then our life, our self, our flesh, and then create a filter to stop the world penetrating into us, right? And so this week I'm going to talk about living in the grace of God. And the Apostle Paul here, he is a church planner. I have a church planners right here who are from Florida planting a church in Eagle. Some dear friends of mine, so glad to have them. We got church planners right here that are in Nampa, Idaho. And Pastor Rhett and Linda, they have pastored and planted a church here. What are they doing? They're just like the Apostle Paul. They have the heart of God to raise up people who will follow Jesus and then raise up leadership who will say, I'm going to carry on this mission, this purpose for the kingdom of God. And what the Apostle Paul would do is he would go into a region like Galatia, right? And then he would establish leadership and grow and disciple those people. And then he would go and do it all over again. Man, he was a church planner on steroids. He was. He was just phenomenal that way. And then he took it on himself to not just leave them and like, oh, that was a good couple of years. He was a father to them. And he he spoke continually into sons and daughters that he raised up and looked at the church as his family, his kids, and he kept on speaking into them. And so this this letter that we're looking at, it's called an epistle, but it's really a letter written to the churches of Galatia to speak to them and now speaks to us. And we get to hear the message of the gospel that's been really speaking to generations before us. And it's the heart of our Father to make sure that we're not creating religion we're, cre- we're speaking about relationship. God never wanted you and I to buy into religion. He wanted you and I to be in relationship. And I don't know where you started. Some of us, it was about religion. 
this area is prevalent with it, right? My area is prevalent with it. And the closer you get, you know, to Utah, it's even more prevalent. But I just want you to know is that God never meant for you to be in a religion. He meant for you and I to be in relationship. And it changes everything. It flips the whole thing. You look at everything different. You know, I saw my, my brothers and sisters setting up for this campus this morning, and I have my team setting up in Twin Falls, and we're in the same kind of situation, but I see people excited to do it. I see people capturing the heart of their dad, and they realize what they do. And I'm telling you, we would, the, the heartbeat of this church is this, if you get this, would be for you to have relationship and doing things because you want to. And, and until you have that heart change where you're born again, and that's how the experience changes, when you experience God and you, the door opens up of your heart, we call, it's our spirit, our human spirit opens up to God, everything changes. Because something supernatural happens within your heart that no one else can explain. Nobody can. We just go, wow. God did something. The weight of the past is off, off of us. Now we have a want to in our life. It's called being born again. The book of John chapter three talks about this. And we need this born again experience. But often I think we're, we're cleaning fish before we're catching them. And I don't think that's this church. And that's what this is all about this morning is we don't clean fish before we catch them. We let them fall in love with Jesus first and let Jesus do the cleaning. You know what I'm saying? And so we need to live in that kind of mind frame. Uh, Galatians chapter three, if you would open up your Bibles there and we're gonna start in verse one and go through verse three and look, look at the words here that the apostle Paul is saying. He's, he's being pretty stern in this. Why? Because he's passionate. He cares about the Galatia churches that he's poured his life into. And so he doesn't want them to be misguided. And he says to them, oh, foolish Galatians. Okay, that's a nice way to say it in this translation. The NLT is being totally nice. But he's really saying, you idiots. That's really what he's saying. It's only fathers can say that kind of stuff. Grandpas can get away with it. You idiot. You know, there are some things that come out of my father-in-law, I'm just like, there's no way I would ever say, you know. But he can get away with it. Why? Because he creaks and cracks and he, you know, and he, he's just been around for a while. You kind of expect that out of my father-in-law. Love him like crazy. But he's got that, like, gap where he can do it, right? And here is the Apostle Paul. He's got that gap. But he's being amped by the Holy Spirit to say, hey, man, you're missing it here. Where did we get off? What happened? Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell, an evil spell on you? Now, it's not like, Ooh. you know, casting a spell. Actually, baskineo is the word for, here, for, this, uh, for this particular word. The translation actually means who has charmed you or beguiled you or even bewitched you? Or like, who has given you a change in how you look at things? Like your eye has turned in how you gaze on this, this particular subject. And remember, they're addressing the situation with, here are Jewish following now Christians who have practiced Judaism all their life, and they're learning how to do this Judaism with Christianity. And it's hard to figure out. When you've been doing religion for so long that it excluded relationship or it was 
I have to do duty as far as like keeping my religion up and then I'm learning about relationship, it can be really confusing. In fact, in our culture right now, there are two churches kind of being presented and your pastor talked about that. And you've got to make sure you're in this grace kind of church, not doesn't give a license to sin, but realizes it's the pure grace of God that's redeemed us. And I'm living by his grace. And by living in his grace, I want to do everything. I, I want to do right. I don't want to cheat on my wife. You know why? Because I love Jesus and I'm just in love with her. So she doesn't have to worry because I just, I just love her. I love my kids. I, I want to be their dad forever. My, my, uh, my father, he, he wasn't around in my life. My parents got divorced when I was really young. And even though that was a negative experience, it was a positive experience for me. If I could be honest, you know what it did? It made me cue in then on my own kids so I could be focused on them and give them the best of my life. And so sometimes we need to just be woken up and we need to say, hey, what's bewitched you? What has changed your thinking? What has changed your mindset? And we need that as Christians today. He's speaking to believers that have heard the word and has been in seats. And we've got, I mean, I'm telling you, we're too messaged in our, in our culture. You, have more, you and I have more information than we're ever doing within our culture, if we could be honest. I mean, we're messaged out. It's like, what did you do with the last word God gave you? Were we obedient to that? Man, that speaks to me. Like, God, what did you say last to me? I need to show attention to that. And so the apostle Paul is appealing to everyone. And he says, for the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Like I gave you such a clear picture by my teaching and raising you that it was as if you saw him personally on the cross, even though you weren't there. And we go on to the next one. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? And he says, of course not. No, of course not. You did not. You received the Spirit uh, because you believe the message you heard about Christ, how foolish can you be? You know, what happened is when you and I heard the message of Christ, our human spirit opened up. And we're like, wow, I've never heard that before. And my human spirit, my heart, what we call our heart, opened up and we asked for Jesus to come into our life and do something we could not do on our own. And we, we, we were literally inviting the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts to being the person that we were without God to a new creature in Christ Jesus where we have a transformation of the human spirit by the Holy Spirit where now he has residence. He can take residence within us. Why? Because he sees the blood of Christ across the hearts of humanity. It's beautiful. And now we're a new creature in Christ. The Holy Spirit's residence is in us. And so he says to, to them, of course you didn't. You, you received the Holy Spirit because you believed the message about Christ. And how foolish can you be? After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? And what happens is, is the reason why we go to this human effort idea is because we see other people doing it. Maybe we should do it also. Right? 
Like, I got to keep up with how other people are doing things. Like, you know, I've got to make sure that on the outside that I appear as if it's happening on the inside. And if I'm not careful, then I move away from the relationship and I'm making it all mechanical. And I'm telling you, I've done it in my life. Uh, you know, 21 days of prayer doesn't save me. Jesus did. But I'm a 21 days of prayer person. And I can find myself in 21 days that I'm doing it for the wrong reason, if I can be honest. So I have to go back to the relationship aspect and say, no, Jesus, it's all about you. I just want to hang out with you. I'm not checking off boxes. In fact, I'll purposely change because I'm checking off boxes and making it mechanical. I'll go to the other end and just cancel the way I've been doing like prayer for that moment and just change it up and just say, oh, dad, it's all about you. You know what I'm saying? And, and we have to do that in our life. I tell our people all the time, I'm sorry if I mess it up. My bad. You can fix it in 10 minutes from now. Okay, maybe not 10 minutes, but, you know, preachers, are so long preaching. But I tell people all the time, it's not about covering the maximum amount of material and reading that makes you holy. Jesus said, come and search me in the scriptures. And when we search Jesus in the scriptures, instead of making it mechanical and we're trying to cover material, it changes everything. I tell guys all the time, read like three to five verses and then ask the Holy Spirit, what did he say to you? I said, it will transform your life. Because now you're not looking to cover material that makes you righteous. And that's what happens. I start doing the mechanics. I do. And I'm a preacher. I know better. Right? And if I do it, there is at least one person in here that gets mechanical every once in a while. Right? At least one. Right? If not, then you're a liar. (laughs) We all get mechanical. Right? And I'm telling you, Jesus is inviting us to something so much better. I I want this church, my church, uh, my brother's up and coming church to be a church where we capture the heart of Jesus and we're like, we're so in love with him that man, when my pastor, your your pastor uh, stands up and says, hey, would you like to go through through, uh, our discovery class? You're like, yeah, I'm there. Like, hey, anybody want to lead small groups? Because I want to. You know what I mean? 21 days of prayer, I can't wait to get skinny. You know what I mean? (laughs) <laughs> right? I, personally, I hate my pastor. When January comes, I hate him. You know who my pastor is? Myself, right? <laughs> I joke around all the time. I walk around at church. I say, I hate my pastor. They're like, what? what are you talking about? And I say, because he, he makes me fast and pray. And I joke around. It's a joke, you know, kind of thing. But, but what I'm saying is it can come, become mechanical in a hurry. I want to be like, small groups are coming, I'm signing up. Serve day's showing up, I can't wait to be there. I can't wait to see the faces of where we helped out somebody in their home and, and, you know, fixed and repaired something. And, you know, we went and gave out food and blessed the community. It changes everything. And when you do that, you get to have the experience that blesses you in your inner spirit. And it, and it just does wonders. You know, you wonder probably why some people do what they do. They found the secret. When I'm in relationship with God, what I do for him becomes the fuel for my human spirit. It's, it's the fuel. So now it's like, oh, I totally want to do it. When standing up here is not draining for me. It's life-giving to me. Because I can sense the Holy Spirit speaking through me to his people for his people. And so it's, not, it's life-giving. 
So if I'm not careful, then I, because if I focus on the human effort, then what happens is I start focusing then on the human effort. And I become the one that's judgmental on other people who aren't doing it my way. And so I've got to be careful of that. And the truth is, is that we have to understand this message of the gospel. We have been given something freely to us. Every person in this room is a sinner. Every one of you have sinned and been a sinner. Anybody? Now, I'm no longer a sinner. And he's going to cover that next week. I'm a son. But everyone, if you lied one time, which some of you did a few moments ago, <laughs> when you didn't raise your hand, <laughs> if you sin once, you're a sinner. This is like if you murder some, one person, you're a murderer, right? Okay? So all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Romans 3.23. And so we're in this condition. But the only one that rescued us out of our human condition was the Lord Jesus Christ. Name me another one. Come on. Name me another God that did it, so-called God that did it, another man. Another, another human being that tries to exalt himself against Jesus. There's not one that came to take care of the human condition, which was sin. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. And he saw you and I in our condition and God, which was crazy in our mentality and thinking, because we often think from the other tree, because I haven't done enough good things to outweigh the bad, the ceiling's going to fall on me if I walk in the church. I literally had a UPS guy walk in our building, in our Jerome campus, walk in, run in, give me my package, say, sign this real fast. I was signing. I was like, brother, what is wrong with you? He's like, I'm so scared. The building's going to fall in. I said, well, if it does, we both go. <laughs> I'm like, God's not out to get you. You have the, you're in the wrong tree. He's been given the wrong gospel. And if we're not careful, we start being that way with other people. And we look at the exterior of them because we've, we're, now we're judgmental. Let it not be so for us, right? And so, but we have a Savior who came and paid the bill for you and I. Once we were a sinner and we were in that condition, we needed a Savior. And Jesus came off of his position, came in the form of humanity and said, I'm going to do that for y'all. And I'm going to pay the price because the penalty for sin is death. It's, it's death. And Jesus paid that, that death penalty for you and I. And rescued us. And he paid the price with his life. And, and it's crazy grace. It's, it's I, I think in my mind, I don't know how you think, it's unfair grace that he's giving to us and that he paid and I don't do anything for it. Right. Have you ever had someone pay a, a, for a meal like for you? Right? Have you ever done that? Yeah. And you're like, but you didn't know they were going to pay for it till the end? And you're like, I should have got steak. It's all about your mentality, by the way, on that one. He's a provider even if you're paying for it or someone else is. I mean, you know what I mean? It's a kingdom type of mentality. What do you have? And so, man, wow, it's kind of weird when someone does that. But when they do, that's grace you didn't deserve. I tell my brothers all the time, like, don't keep score. It's not about keeping score. Then we're back in this tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil. It's all about, I just want to. So get out my way so I can do it, you know? Galatians 3.10 says, All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do the things written in the book of the law. And so what is a curse? It's not a curse. It's a repercussion of sin. Like when I, when I do something outside of the kingdom and the practices of the kingdom, there is a repercussion. That's what that is to what 
to my disobedience. And so I'm experiencing that. Some of you have experienced those repercussions in your own life, through the, through the life of your own family. I had some of those repercussions, but you and I get to stop it because we get to have a change in heart and welcome Jesus into our life and receive the free gift of, of grace, right? And so it changes everything. And so now our, our human spirits change. I want to do what God wants me to do. And I'm not living under the penalty of sin any longer. James 2.10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. So the law couldn't be obeyed. So then what's the purpose of the law, Galatians 3.19 says. Right? Because it can't cure you and I if because American culture thinks this way, all right? Can we be really real? I've done a lot of, lot of burying over my life, you know? Like, the only reason why I wear a tie is to marry you or bury you. That's, that's why, because why, have you ever worn one of those things? It choke you and cook you. You try preaching two or three services and see what will happen to you. You know, I love you, mama. <laughs> but where was I? Huh? Oh, our American culture. You see, I have one of those sometimes or sometimes. And, uh, but our American culture is if you do enough rights, enough good to outweigh the bad, and you and I have been in those ceremonies where he was a good old guy and they're all lying to themselves. And they know he was a nasty, filthy person. But we justify by saying, well, he was a good old person because we feel weird on the inside. Because we know the human condition, the human spirit of that person wasn't changed. And the only person who fears death or fears the, the curse or the penalty of sin are those who have not been born again. Because your human spirit now is listening to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says something to you and I. You're a child. You've been bought with a price. You get it. Amen? And so Christianity is not about this learned behavior. It's not behavior modification. It's not this training. Galatians 3, 24 through 25 says, so the law put in charge to lead us, was put in charge to lead us to Christ. That was the purpose of the law. It was to lead us to him to, for us to recognize, I cannot do this life without him. I need sin broken off of me, and it can't be done by following good things or following a system of checking off boxes, but it leads me to Christ that I might be justified by faith. What does that mean? Faith is not a belief in. We have to understand that. So many people think it's a belief in. Well, there's a lot of people that believe in stuff, but they don't have faith in, in, in it. And what I mean by faith is, faith means I put my trust in. When you and I say, I have faith in Jesus, it's saying, I have faith in Jesus' words that what he said will come true. That's what it means. And so then the law then leads me to Jesus, right? Because I realize I can't be saved on my own accord, but I need Jesus. I need the presence of the Holy Spirit to touch my human spirit, amen? Amen. Uh, I'm going to share with you uh, five things that grace is. Number one, grace is a free gift. It's radical. It's amazing. It's free. 
It was at a great price, but I have to go all in with my heart. I know it sounds crazy. It seems that I don't deserve it. Well, I'm in line with you. I don't deserve it either. But grace is free. The scripture says uh, in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's a free gift of God. In our culture, if someone gives you something, in our culture, you've got to return it right back, but it's not the kingdom. The kingdom is, it's better to give than ever receive. And we have a father that starts it off. That's his heart. It's better, I give everything to you. He made this world, this planet, the oxygen, right? The building materials you needed for your home. He gave you your job. He provides everything for you and I. He's such a good dad that even when our earthly dads, earthly moms don't get it all right, we have enough room for forgiveness for them because we trust that we have a daddy who takes care of it anyway, regardless of our human failures, right? That's the kind of God we have. That's the kind of king that we have and that we serve. It's a beautiful, free gift. And Jesus stepped in to save you and I. Number two, grace is received by faith. You know, by faith, if, if I say it's just a belief in, well, I believe a lot of things. This year, I believe the Houston Astros are going to win the World Series. <laughs> but if you tell an Angels fan that, they're like, no, they're not. We're going to win the World Series. That's a belief in. But I promise you, I'm not putting any trust in them because they're either going to cheat or not make it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm a, hey, I'm a diehard Houston fan. I'm sorry. You know? You know, they, the Bible says cheaters never prosper, but 2019, you know, we didn't either, but in 2017, we did. So anyway, all those teams are cheating. Don't, don't, don't be lying. I'm just, we're just having a good time. So, so, so to believe in something or to have faith is really to put my trust in. And um, a lot of people have a head knowledge of that, but they don't have a, a heart connected to like, God, I trust you with my life. Where are you right now? Where are you in your life right now? Have you fully put your trust in him? I want to invite you to that. God's inviting you. Come on, trust me with your life. Come on, trust me with your family. Come on, trust me with everything. Amen? Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. I put my trust in him. That's how I have been saved and grace has been extended to me. It's not of myself. It's not checking off the boxes. It's the gift of God, not by works. There's no room for boasting, right? That's what the scripture is telling you and I. I love it. So we put our trust in him. Number three, it's probably the main one I wanna get to is this. Grace is available to everyone. God forbid the day that we ever become a church where we want everyone to look like us. The day we do is the day we die because we have not captured the heart of our father. Um, I I had a lady, um, she's a Christian lady. I'm not questioning that. (laughs) I just preached three services that Sunday. I was just hungry, TJ. That's all I was. I was just hungry. I was my own business, Linda. 
And I'm going to be nice to everybody that I come in contact with. I just love people. So I, I was walking to my seat. A wonderful receptionist was guiding us to our seat to eat some lunch. And I walked by a table and I said, hello, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm talking with them. And I, I know them. We, you know, they go to another church. We do live. You know, we just, we love their family. And, man, she put the evil eye on me. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all know. Like, oh, my gosh. And that's what she did. She, went, she was just like this, girls. I'm telling you. She was like, oh, my gosh, just like that. And you know what she told me? You wore that shirt and preached in it? I'm serious. Like, she looked up and down me like you were a piece of you know what. She did. She said, you wore a flannel shirt and preached in it this Sunday. And my most amazing wife ever, like the woman that I'm in love with, you know what she said? The coolest thing, guys. And doesn't he look good in it? I mean, I wanted to bend her over and make out with her right there. You know what I'm saying? I did. I was like, that is the sexiest thing you could have ever said, woman. Right? But we got people in the church doing that. Did you see that they were smoking before they walked in? And you know you could see their Copenhagen in their back pocket. Well, bless God. Come in with your cope and come in with your smoke. Right? Because if they get hope, the cope goes. Right? And if they get, if they get Jesus, they ain't going to burn the hell and smoke. They're going to just smoke dead animals and life is going to be good. Now let's go eat. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just saying God forbid us being the church that says, you don't look like me, so I'm not going to connect with you. That is horrible. I had a lady, and I'm, I'm preaching this message, and she's sitting like the second row, and I said something, and she's like, yeah, those kind of people, and I said, that's the evil eye. I did, man. It was like a flat out, and I said, I'm talking about that look right there, sister, and the apostle Paul came right out of me, I'm telling you, and that face changed in a split second. You know what I'm saying? It changed everything, and so... Let us be a church that says we're making room for everybody, right? It doesn't matter what they're going through. You come on in and let them experience the presence of God like we did in worship. And they hear a message that's life-giving. And they hear the Holy Spirit speaking to their human spirit. And everything's going to change. It's going to be beautiful, right? Number four, I'll give you that, is that grace comes only through Christ. It's a narrow view, but it's the only view, okay? How dumb would it be for someone to tell you, hey, the best nutrition you could ever put in your body is drinking motorol? You would look at them and say, you're the dumbest person on the planet, right? Or you're in a field or industry, whatever you're in, okay? Uh, let's say you're an accountant, and someone comes in, and they say, you know what? You really don't need to balance the budget. That's overrated. You should just spend whatever you want. Everybody would be like, idiot. <laughs> right? Could we just be real? Yeah. Idiot. Someone would be speaking into the situation and misguide people and collapse their future. Then why do we say it's so bizarre to say that Jesus Christ is the only way? Yeah. You know what? We're speaking a message that speaks to the human spirit 
the direction where they'll receive Christ and everything changes. I think we need to buy into and not be afraid of that Jesus is the way. Amen. John 1.17 says, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Amen. Number five, grace is extended throughout eternity. In other words, Jesus took care of our past, our present, and our future sins. That's why they say all my exes live in Texas, and that's why I live in Idaho. (laughs) But I have a Savior that took care of the ex stuff that I used to be and the the present stuff I've done and am doing and, and stuff your pastor has to clean up next week and the future what I might mess up on or whatever, that's the kind of Savior we have in our life. Amen? And, and so we have a God who loved the world. And don't forget, he loved the world, not the saved, alone. Will you make room for other people? Will you invite your neighbor? Will you say they matter? The guy that doesn't have his hair like you do, walk straight up to him and say, hey, man, how are you doing? Can I help you in some way? Would you like to come sit with me at church? I'd love for you to hang out with me. Share him with him your life story, what God's done in you, and everything will change. Grace doesn't let us off the hook. It changes our motivation for why we do what we do, and we've got to remember that. And the last word for you is Titus 2, 11 through 12. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. What does it say? Grace is our teacher. Grace is our teacher. And when the Holy Spirit does a heart change in us, he's whispering God's, God's direction to you and I. And everything changes. So the last word I say to you is this. Grace is what you ought to do becomes what you want to do. And that's where God wants us to live. It's where he wants his church to be. That I'm not presenting the wrong tree. No, One Life Church is a church that teaches the grace of God, the free gift of God. It says, come as you are and come experience Jesus. And when you do, naturally your human spirit will eventually open up and you'll say, I need the Savior. Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you change the way my heart is? And everything changes. Can we bow our heads for a moment? I want to give people the opportunity to receive the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Maybe maybe you've never heard this question asked. Are you born again? And what I mean is, have you made a decision to receive grace into your life? where your human spirit, we call our heart, not our physical heart, but our heart, our human spirit, hears the gospel, the good news, and we're wide open to receive grace. 
where you invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. If that's never happened for you, I want to give people a moment. If we would just honor everybody with heads bowed and eyes closed. But if I'm speaking to you this morning, would you lift up your hand just boldly? I won't call you out. But just so I know who I'm praying with and just leading people in a prayer to receive Christ, if you would so have the boldness to lift up your hand, just so I can be connected with those in prayer. If that's you, would you do that right now? Anyone this morning? Can we pray together, church? Say, God, I come to you today. My human heart is open to you, to grace. Lord, without you, I realize I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to make me a son or daughter of God. I believe Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. So I put my trust in him and everything he did on the cross for me, I receive today. Lord, would you teach me your ways? Would you change my heart from a have to to I want to. I passionately want to serve you, God, and live for you. Teach me your ways. Help me to follow you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, One Life Church. Can we give these amazing people and celebrate with them their decision for Christ? Amen. God bless you guys. Y'all are amazing.